Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The revolution has been televised, put on social media, newspapers, and put on podcasts such as Weezy and House. Gil Scott Heron said it eloquently. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. A seismic shift has occurred across the world that has inflamed a wide swath of people. They have protested police brutality in the face of blatant police brutality. Dr. King said, justice delayed is too often justice denied. Last week's peaceful protest in Simi Valley, downtown LA, and Hollywood, California demonstration illustrates this. From activist speeches, songs, and street activist painting on boarded up buildings to exemplify the spirit of the movement. The crowd is getting larger and more insistent, unlike the recalcitrant police union dressing down Council member Monica Rodriguez by stating there was only a hundred people uh, speaking out against police brutality. This Saturday is the first unhoused Black Lives Matter protest at Echo Park Lake. To align how our communities are targeted by racism, it begins with neighborhood councils and business improvement districts being used as a police pipeline to arrest, cite, and harass the unhoused community, particularly many of the Blacks. The instances of force have increased by 26%. It is uh, stated even in the last episodes that the commander state, because they have more interaction with people uh, that are living on the streets or displaced, and incidentally that we have over 40% of unhoused people that are Black. It's meeting with the council member in your district to discuss plans to deal with the unhoused black person in your neighborhood. It's Starbucks 
in our community, blocking me in Chinatown, Los Angeles, from using the bathroom because I possibly couldn't need to use the bathroom in such a bathroom desert. I want to take a bird bath into the bathroom that was said to me. Imagine the indignity and the embarrassment that a Starbucks employee would say to an unhoused member. Black Lives Matter too when police, park rangers, sheriffs, and bid are used to terrorize, photograph, antagonize black and house people and white NIMBYs or liberal extolling law and order or quality of life crimes. This episode will discuss the protest with two unhoused black men and feature a former unhoused trans woman and the challenges she faces. Please listen and let us meet in the light of understanding. Henderson from Weedy and House, and I've just ran across an exceptional painter here with Black Lives Matter. And I just wanted to ask him a few questions. What inspired you to do this? You have a real talent. Us? <laughs> Straight up us, bro. Oh, okay. So what got you to get to do this? Um, I had a friend. She told me about the idea, reached out. She's seen some work I was doing already in the community recently. Oh, cool. And, you know, she told me what it was about. I couldn't turn that down. How did, you, how did you start painting? I mean, because, you know, this is not, of course, I, you know, if I do this, it's going to look like horrific. But, you know, what's the, how did you get this talent? What, what happened? I've been, shoot, been drawing since I was seven years old at oh, my grandma's house, man. Oh, okay. And uh, just take it from there. I didn't honestly do nothing with art till 2017. So, honestly, I'm still new to the game. Oh, wow. You can't, you can't be new to the game since the seven years. I haven't classes yet, bro. So. Well, you know, you know, I don't know if you're going to need the art classes the way you're doing it like here. Appreciate it. Uh, so um, I was going to say, uh, what motivated you to do the Black Lives Matter? Uh, you know, I want all the messages out here, but as a black man and as a black artist, bro, like, that's what I want people to get. Like, I don't know if you've seen the, the dude who signed just past the brother sign said, I am a man. Like, right. We ain't saying nothing bad for a lot of people trying to say all lives matter and all that. We just need everybody to understand, like, our lives don't matter to certain people. It's point blank. Excellently said. I was going to say, you know what, uh, I took a picture of it. I wanted, I'm going to put you on my uh, podcast to show, you know, your talent. I wish you to continue success. And like I said, keep it up. You know, everyone uh, has their role to play in this movement. And I see what yours is. I appreciate that, bro. Thank you very much. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy House, and I thank you all for listening. Oh, what's your name so I can so people can follow your work? Um, Dijon on Instagram at D E Z C J O N. And I know that may sound wrong, but it's one on one. It's the only one. D E Z C J O N. This is one of the artist activists here on the protest. Thank you all for listening, and may we again meet in the light of understanding. Thank you very much for you. Appreciate it. I, I love that.
This is Theo Henderson from Woodyun House, and I'm here on another protest here on Sunday at Hollywood Vine. I just was stopped here where it says the black LGBT lives matter as well, and I agree with this as Woodyun House also supports this me measure. And I have a gentleman here that I didn't get your name. My name is Theo Henderson. My name is Shay. Uh, so, what brought you out here today? Um, but, well, what brought me here is like. I'm tired of, you know, the police, you know, keep, you know, keeps doing what they're doing. And especially doing, like, you know, horrible acts against black people, especially when they're not doing the crime. And some of them are in jail now for, like, for a long ass time while the other person gets so little. And especially when they do the same exact yeah. crime. Yeah. I noticed you were unhoused or homeless. Um, uh, how long have you been out here? Because I've, um, I've been on, I'm homeless as well. So. I've been here for four months. Not four months, I mean, I'm sorry, four days. Four, four days. days so far. Yeah. Where, where were you originally? Um, I'm from New York City. Yeah. Well, I'm from Chicago, and I have to tell you, Chicago pizza is better, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, what got you out here to California? Well, I wanted to, you know, come to the protest and, you know, try to start a new life here. And plus another thing, smoking some weed, too, but obviously. Okay. But other than that, just start a new life here. I was going to ask you, um, for example, you have LGBTQ2, are you uh, in, the, in, the, in the rainbow? or? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm actually pansexual. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for the audience, so I can be educated, I'm heterosexual, so I, I've heard of it, but I'm not exactly sure what that means. What does it mean? It means, it really doesn't matter. It depends on the person's personality, ah, okay. their soul, okay. you know. Okay. Yeah. So you're much more a, a spiritual sexual person. Yeah. Okay, I got you. So uh, what is it, uh, for example, what would you like to say to the mayor in order for the Black Lives Matter? Because they're ta talking about taking money um, uh, from the police and the police are mad about it. What would you, what, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's fair. They should. They should take the money away for them. Where should they put the money? Somewhere we would need it? I think, like, give it to the people that mostly deserve it, especially to the ones that, you know, that cops cause so much grief, especially to family members that lost their loved ones that, that didn't do anything wrong, you know? I was gonna ask you, how has the police, uh, has the police harassed you out here? No, not out here, no. But they have arrested you. Uh, but I have been arrested. No. Like, like, two for good, like, two of them was for good reasons. Like, I was shoplifting for pretty much just, mainly just for food. Mm -hmm. But the last two times was just for panhandling and it was legal yeah. where I was. Right. I was in Alabama oh, yeah. and Florida, yeah. yep. and one for quote-unquote trespassing, mm -hmm. and I was allowed to sleep where I was, but I was kicked out and was charged for, for um, trespassing and panhandling twice. Wow. 
I, I've had the trespassing when I sleep in a, a different place or something like that. That's one of the many pitfalls on how people have. Um, what's the best way for us to help you? I think um, more communication, especially when it comes to homeless people. Right, right. Like, get to know them. And don't just, like, offshoot it like they're druggies. All of them are just straight-up druggies, but not all of them are, you know? That's what the new generation needs, like, a lot, like, and especially the older generation. We all need to communicate more, especially during these trying times. Well, thank you very much for that. I really um, I appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your schedule to do this. This is Theo Henderson from Weed In House. I'm here at the protest on Hollywood and Vine Sunday, June 7th. Uh, there's more to follow. On Saturday, June 13th, Echo Park, it will be hosting the first unhoused Black Lives Matter rally. In other news, an unhoused man was stabbed by a house driver in San Diego. The unhoused man was walking in the 3rd Avenue and C Street when a vehicle started following him. The driver jumped out and slashed the victim. The house driver fled. On Wednesday, June 17th, the second of the five-part series of We Young House Meeting in the Light of Understanding Zoom Town Hall meeting will take place. Details will follow later. And San Antonio police officer who handed a feces sandwich to an unhoused man wins his termination appeal. Lane County, Oregon will be cleared to clear out unhoused or houseless shelters at the Lane County Fairgrounds and the Memorial Building due to emergency funds have run out. Starting at 8 o'clock a.m., they will be evicted from the safe space the unhoused reside. Clara Kirk, operated shelters for more than 30 years, has died. Known as the mother of Inglewood, she's dead at 679. She is recognized for her work for battered women and children. She received the President's Service Award by former Bill Clinton. And this is Unhouse So you were saying about the aversion therapy, you moved back to your home. What happened? Why did you move? Um, I moved back home because uh, first and foremost, I went home for, for just a vacation at first. Mm -hmm. um, and then my family were, were in dire, they needed me. Yeah. My sister got arrested. <sighs> Sorry. My yeah, um, my sister got arrested. My mom was dealing with health issues, and my sister at the time had four kids. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to step up and be the aunt, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't be who I was living out there and doing that. And then my sister got out, and um, I was like, I need to do things for my own life. So I moved back here mm -hmm. and lived in a place but also going, attending LACC. Mm -hmm. um, and through a series of events, I got kicked out of that place because they found out that I was queer. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, yeah. <laughs> how did you cope with it? Because How I did I cope? At first, I was, I mean, I was on survival mode. I wanted to keep trying to go to school. The thing is, um, when I came to LACC, I found a group of friends who were just really, they allowed me to be me. Mm -hmm. Like at first I'd be like, pretend to be a straight man. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, we, we no, mm -hmm. no. 
we don't think you are, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, yeah, I, I, I am, praise Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. back then I was into Christianity. I was not knocking anybody's face, but I'm no longer Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then I was super Christian mm-hmm. and trying to live both, you know? Both worlds. Um, and then sooner or later, the peeling started coming off. And then I started realizing that I wasn't a man, that I am a woman, mm-hmm. that I've always felt this way. Um, and then the friends that I had were like, we knew at the moment we met you. And then I met a trans woman who I actually became housemates with. Oh, who? Yeah. So when I got kicked out of that place, I actually moved directly into this woman's house. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like her caretaker. She had a bunch of um, underlying health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, some mental issues as well, mm-hmm. mental illness issues as well, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, um, there was a lot of things that happened between us, um, and um, I became homeless again. Um, how did that? How did that make you feel? Because I know when the second time I became on the street, that this oh, this was like my third time. Oh, your third. Yeah, this is my third time. So I was like, yeah, I was. Definitely, like, how am I going to survive? What do I need to do? Like, it was hard. Mm -hmm. It was definitely hard. And then I'm going to fast forward it a little bit until the last time I um, I was homeless. Okay. Um, The last time, which was my last um, time becoming homeless, Mm -hmm. um, was because I lived at a place that was... Uh, temporary. Okay. The guy was like, you could stay here. It was very much similar to where I live here, yeah, okay. where you can't have a guest. You can't have a guest for more than two months. You know? Wow. I'm like, I can't have a guest for more than, like, if someone needs, I can't have someone staying with me, because it's subsidized, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, um, and, like, I had no friends, like, the, like, my friends that were, like, supportive in one way mm-hmm. they all lived with their parents mm-hmm. so they couldn't support me you mm-hmm. know I had one friend who was like lived right down the street from the ICC mm-hmm. she was like you can stay with me so I stayed with her for a few months mm-hmm. then I stayed with another dude for a few months mm-hmm. and then after that I got kicked out mm-hmm. like asked to leave and mm-hmm. I kicked out right and um, it was cold it was during the Christmas season so I went back I didn't actually go back home. I went to live with my cousins, mm-hmm. who ended up putting me in their garage. And it's cold in L.A., but where I'm from in the high desert, it's colder. It snows there sometimes. Yeah, right. So I would be like, I felt like they treated me like shit. So I was like, maybe I should just go back to L.A. and go back to LACC and try to finish getting my degree, just focus on shit I need to do. Um... I remember watching this documentary when I was a student and like in between houses. Um, and it was and it was uh, about Skid Row and about folks in Skid Row. And I was like and I remember someone saying on there that like they didn't start doing drugs or being an alcoholic until they became homeless. Right, very true. I was before I'ma be real. Mm-hmm. I was never, um, I didn't smoke weed. I didn't, I hardly drank. Like, maybe drank on my birthday and on holidays, you know. But when I became homeless, that's when I started drinking, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, You know, I don't want to uh, be uh, 
the trajectory. Uh, did you, uh, because I noticed, like, because I interviewed uh, uh, cutters. the cutters like that. Did you? I started you always... cutting. Um, I started cutting when I was fourteen. Why? Um, the real honest to God truth. Uh, <laughs> I was hanging out with a bunch of goths and punks and people that thought they were vampires. And then there was this hot guy that came over and he wanted to drink my blood and I thought he was cute. And there was a razor blade, so I was like, here. And it's a very sexual thing, let's be real. And then, But I noticed the feeling I got from cutting. It's like... Kind of like why pe- people get tattoos. Mm-hmm. Like I got tattoos now, mm-hmm. or piercings. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like it, there's actually a, a scientific reason because mm-hmm. when there's a pain, it releases a, a chemical in your body that numbs you to other. No, and it, it releases endorphins. Oh, it's wow. kind of like sex. Oh, right? okay, okay. Well, um, didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Why do you think people do it? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, everyone's uh, like, just like why do you think people are tatted up? Mm-hmm. It's it's like um, being real. Mm-hmm. I stopped cutting when I got my first tattoo, okay. and that was just last year. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, like because it's the same. It's Kinda. the same feeling. Right. Right. You know, oh. hi, mama. Um, and so yeah. So getting back to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, you know, I, I didn't have no, and back then I started getting involved with this pro, this group called Gender Justice LA, which they are, they're in LA and they're based, um, they seek to talk about the issues that trans women specifically, trans women of color, mm-hmm. well, trans people as a whole, mm-hmm. but trans women of color specifically go through. Okay. Um, just to let you know, just to, um, I do believe that there's an edge line of different classism and white supremacy. You yes. are right. Yes. Very but true. it does add to your oppressions the more you have. Like if you're disabled, you mm-hmm. have more of oppression. Mm-hmm. If you're someone that has some felonies, you have more mm-hmm. of an oppression. Mm-hmm. You, if there's if if you're somebody that's uh, had ties to a gang or you have a Muslim name, you have more of an oppression, right? Or like I want to introduce from the perspective because people forget, um, I could be black and straight and housed, but I am black, straight and unhoused. And I still have a different dimension, just like um, one of my uh, friends was mentioning earlier about um, she's queer, but she's unhoused. She could still be queer, yeah. but unhoused is a new dimension to the challenges yeah, that you have. especially so. because um, nowhere is safe for trans and queer people. Mm-hmm. Nowhere is safe. Yes. So, like, I was going to tell you. And black women have higher rate of trans queer uh, being killed, too. Exactly. Yes. I was just going to say that. Every mm-hmm. every 32 hours, a trans person is murdered. And specifically, even in the COVID era, which I was like, when COVID shut down everything, I thought at least there will not be any murders. Yes. A lot of trans women of color in Puerto Rico, yes, in yes, like I saw that. in Brazil, in Mexico, like mm-hmm. they're all, they're getting murdered, mm-hmm. and um, and that's only because we know about it, right? Mm-hmm. That's only because people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. When usually. Um, when they find our bodies and they look at our genitalia, let's be real, we mm-hmm. base gender on genitalia, which mm-hmm. is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, they, oh, this person is a man, so mm-hmm. a man died, right? Versus, like, this person hearing their stories from the people, oh, this person lived as a woman, they were a woman, or mm-hmm. this person was a man, they mm-hmm. lived as a man, or this person didn't live as any gender, right? 
Um, so like, which is a construct, just like race. Right, right. Just being real. Right. Classism, race, and gender are all constructs. Okay. If you don't know what a construct is, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no difference between all three of us when it comes to our ethnicity at the table, right? Mm -hmm. There is a difference in the way the world treats us, though, because we bought into that lie, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, getting back to my story. Yes, ma'am. Um, I woke up. Um, so, like, um, so I got involved, and even they couldn't help me as much. And it was just like, I was like, what do I do then? Mm -hmm. So I was like, and then one night, I'm going to be real, I was hanging out with a, a person that was super privileged, speaking of being black. Mm -hmm. I used to have a friend who was from Europe. He was um, from Holland. Mm -hmm. He was black. He was gay. Mm -hmm. His mom would send him $5,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And I remember one night, like, I was like, hey, just let me go to your house just for that night because it's super cold, and in the morning I'll go to a shelter. Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, no. I remember him, like, sternly saying no. And I was like, <clears throat> and I was like, come on, please. Just, I mean, it's really cold. You don't say, if you're my friend, why are you, like, I understand if your place is a mess, you, you can go clean it, and I'll meet you. Just tell me where it's at, and I can walk there, blah, blah, blah. And they just sternly said no. And like, we sat there for two hours. Yes, no, I mean, no, please, no, no. And I finally just was like, okay, f oh well. So I stayed up all night, I left him alone, stayed up all night, and then I came to Skid Row. And I did what I had to do to get myself in that program. Um, I'm gonna be real, when he said no, when he would just say no, 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 like, I was like, why? Mm -hmm. And there are some people I've had to say no to, but it's because, um, the rules here, mm -hmm. let's be real. And number two, I've had them in my place and some violence or some things have happened mm -hmm. and I just don't trust them, mm -hmm. you know? So that's different. Okay. Um, but yeah, so after that, I just lived at that shelter, which was great. It was great for me in a lot of ways because I did find a little corner of uh, black people that I was super close with. Um, started coming out of my shell a lot more and then doing what I needed to do to get here. And I, I got here in the June of 2012. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I've, I've been thankful, but it's been like, it's been, a, it's been a mess in a lot of ways too. What propelled you to do a metal band? A punk band, okay. A punk band, um, my apologies. <laughs> yeah, so punk and metal, even though there is a conversation. But yeah, I'm in a band, yeah. yeah. I, like, I like all kinds of music. Mm -hmm. um, I do tend to go lean more towards rock. Mm -hmm. um, but I like all kinds of music. Okay. I like Beyonce, I like Lil' Kim, I like Nicki Minaj. I grew up on Black Street, mm -hmm. grew up on like Ajay, mm -hmm. you know, um, grew up on Tamiya, mm -hmm. Brandy, Monica, you know, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I, okay, I'll talk about that. So one night um, I was dealing with some mental health issues um, and I really wanted to cut. Um, me and a friend had a fight and this friend is a trans woman like myself and I was really um, I looked up to her and so like I was really really sad you know and so I had a friend who's also in an all black punk band called You Pay Us mm -hmm. all black all femme which means non-male mm -hmm. a punk band called You Pay Us um one of them I'm really close with, and they, they told me anytime I want to hang out to hit them up, 
because I would post all, all on my Facebook, anyone want to hang out? Anyone want to hang out? Mm-hmm. And like they're like, they had just got this studio in Chinatown. And um, I was like, can I can I come over, please? Like, I'm, I just had a fight with this person. I don't want to be alone. I'm drunk. Mm-hmm. And um, they're like, let me see something. Five minutes later, I get a text. Um, you can come through. And I was like, great, but I don't have any money to go, you know, because I'm poor. They're like, what's your address? Give them my address. They sent it for me and went to their... I got there and I told them what happened and I was, I was kind of sober up mm-hmm. around that time. And they're like, well, you're, this person said, Chella, you know how you like to listen to rock music? Well, tonight we're going to make rock music. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to do anything right now. I just want to cry and drink some more. <laughs> and so I sat on the couch in the studio and actually we, can I talk about 420 or no? Yes, that's fine. Because someone educated us before. So for 420, from what I understand, it's a marijuana day of being marijuana. I mean, celebrities yeah. go out and make a span. So. Yeah. Yes. But I, I also, like, meant just talk about weed. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do your thing. Okay. Uh, so I smoke. Okay. I do smoke. Um, um, so I smoke because of chronic pain, and it helps me sleep. That's and nice. I deal with insomnia. If people are on my Facebook, they see me at night at 3 or 4 in the morning. I really am. I'm, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we smoked. And then we just kind of got into, like, a little thing. And it was really cute. And I was, I was actually falling asleep. Mm-hmm. I was actually falling asleep. And they're like, okay, you want to start making music? Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'm good. I'll just go home. They're like, cello, come on. What do you really want to do? Mm-hmm. And I saw the mic, and I just took the mic, and we just... I was like, and one person was on the drums. Yes, uh, the person had a guitar. This other person had a bass guitar, and they, and we just formed. Um, so that's how we formed. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So, <clears throat> if someone was to go through one of the things that you've gone through, a lot of uh, different dilemmas and traumas and things like that, what would you tell the younger generation, if you could, about? how to uh, cope with these kind of things that you've went through? To be honest, I'm still learning. Okay. I mean, like, I I won't tell people to find a therapist. I'm not into that. Okay. I don't think therapy helps any everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the artistic expression for me, like, finding an outlet is super good. I mean, I... <laughs> one of the reasons I like doing the punk thing, why I like... I've always liked to sing, you know? Uh, it's because I scream a lot, mm-hmm. and I love screaming. It gets the it gets the emotion, it gets the anger, it gets the frustration out. And and to get to your point, uh, your other question about why a punk specifically, it's because punk, just like hip-hop, just like every other genre, mm-hmm. was founded by black people. Right. right? Um, and, it, and it was funded with the anti-capitalist, anti-white supremacist, anti establishment mm-hmm. um, in mind and that's what I am very much so I hate the police I don't trust the I posted this on the other day I don't believe in uh, going to the city officials and holding them accountable because the system is created to kill black and indigenous people so guess what I'm not going to go to you if you have a gun in your hand I'm not going to go to you and say, please, Mr. Killer, don't kill me. I'm going to find a way to like, get that gun out of your hand. Mm-hmm. 
Like, take the power back. Mm-hmm. As Rage Against the Machine says, mm-hmm. gotta take the power back. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so I, I think about that. I think about getting involved, how I got involved a lot. Like, I do want to say there are some things I do believe in um, and that, that gave me hope. Like, when uh, we were um, camping outside, uh, I was camping outside with indigenous people mm-hmm. uh, to protest, you know, against Trump's, you know, <laughs> as uh, taking babies away from, you know, mm-hmm. their parents at the border mm-hmm. or, like, sending people back to their... Which, guess what? We're in Mexico, y'all. Mm-hmm. This is not... This is not white people owned. Mm-hmm. This is Mexico. Right. So we got to remember that they just come into their land anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's native land. It's indigenous land. I believe in fighting for that. Um, so I believed in doing that. Mm-hmm. I also believe in going and causing people to think about why we're doing certain things. So like when, even when Black Lives Matter were camping outside of City Hall, I was like, y'all, I would go there. I didn't believe in replacing one uh, police commissioner for another. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in that. I believe in like, why are we here, y'all? Mm-hmm. Like, are y'all really about something? Because like, we got to hit them where it hurts. Or, like, we got to, like, form our own community-based uh, solutions and think about transformative and restorative justices, mm-hmm. which are indigenous and black, um, and and stop relying on the systems that are killing us. They are killing us. Right now, during the COVID, you know, situation, it's predominantly black and brown people that are dying. Mm-hmm. And I'm naming indigenous people in that as well. Yes, because true. they are not getting the help they need. Because they are, like, because of the f***ing... Oh my gosh, the way that white supremacy lied to not a lot of Native and Indigenous people and slaves, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. It's f-ing horrible. And so we gotta fight back. That's what I would say to young people fight back. And if you can't fight back, find someone who you can be with that will teach you to fight back in certain ways and find an outlet. Well said. Um, one of the other questions is, is, I don't know if you, um, what pronouns would you like? Because I... No, no, no. She, she, um, and, and you shouldn't say what pronouns would you like to say. What pronouns do you use? No, what pronouns do you use? My apologies. Yeah, she, she I do go by that because mm-hmm. I also, um, so for those that don't, uh, under, uh, know, I also identify as indigenous. Okay. Um, um, and there are some indigenous cultures that have what's called two-spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, two-spirit are folks who are not male nor they're female. They are born uh, born with any and all, right? Um, they are healers. They're, 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 instead of like being the ones that are criminalized and demonized, they're the ones that are the healers. They're the ones that you can go to to, like, get, um, to seek out help. Um, there's actually a beautiful... Um, a beautiful story that I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so men and women and the two spirits lived in harmony, mm-hmm. right? And then men and women started fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so men went one way, women went another way. So the two spirits got together. They're like, we need to keep this together to like heal our land because mm-hmm. we need to keep producing, right? Mm-hmm. So they went to the men and talked to the men for the women. And they bring them back to the circle. And they went to the women and bring them back to the circle for the men. And they're like, and they mediated. Mm-hmm. And everything was good, mm-hmm. right? So that, it's just a, a perfect balance of, of, of both, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
what else? Yeah. So yeah. But when you when you ask that, I mean, just to let you know, things are always changing. Yes. I, I see you, that you tried. So like, I'm not mad at you. It's not like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No. But I appreciate um, you correcting yeah. me and educating me. Yeah, yeah. Because everything's always about. changing. Yes. Right? Like everything. There's some words that I use that are still like. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, wait. Like I'm trans. Mm-hmm. Why y'all getting that mad at me? <laughs> you know. But like things are always things are always changing. Um, I do want to say something that, like, I think for me, um, in terms of living in Skid Row and in terms of fighting back against the police, fighting back against violences, too, right? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest support that I've had has been from community, Mm -hmm. right? From people that either look like me or people that are... They, they either look like me, and I mean, like, they're trans and black, mm-hmm. or they're queer and black, mm-hmm. and they're doing their best to, like, fight back against these oppressive systems. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think finding community is super big. Which brings me a question is, what can, because um, I have to say this, because I'm a black man, and I think it's important to say this, is there is a community in a black community that I, I, I disagree with, is that they believe... Um, there is some conspiracy against black men to change them or effeminize them and things like that. And I need to speak out and be clear on this because um, I want your perspective on this because I, I disagree because nobody's going to put a gun to your head and say you're going to be this. So let's 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 talk about that uh, elephant in the room. Soho Tapish. Yes, please. Um, I go back to the Dogon tribe of Nigeria. Okay. One of their goddesses. I can't say that. I mean, it's both. Right? One of their gods that they prayed to before colonization was a statue that had tits. Can I say how I need to say it? Go ahead. It had tits and a dick. <laughs> That's one of the gods that they prayed to <laughs> before colonization. <laughs> so I think... I think, yes, we need to challenge masculinity. I think, yes, we need to challenge ma- to- yes. toxic masculinity. Yes. Yeah, right here. Especially because oh, yeah. men don't just kill oh, yeah. trans women. They kill yeah. cisgender women. Mm-hmm. Like, four years ago, I remember in a span of one week, two black trans women had died. And then a, another, a cis woman in New York was catcalled, mm-hmm. which means the dude hit on her. Mm-hmm. A black dude hit on her. He was like, hey, mama, what's up? Right, right. And she she didn't return it, mm-hmm. you know? And he burned her. Yeah. He burned her. So we have to challenge the masculinity that, that goes into that. Mm-hmm. We have to challenge the, like, the ideals that, like, um, the idea of the family that they're still trying to make just, it's the same idea that white supremacy gave us but they're doing it, you know, they're doing it. One of the things also that uh, bugs me is like we could uh, advance technologically, we can advance uh, morally, we, but yet somehow masculinity just stays in this uh, fossil or fossilized viewpoint. And they, like, that's, I think, is much more damaging to people, um, particularly people of color, because we drink into that white supremacist idea that masculinity is only one linear way, I believe. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I also think that, like... Naming things as masculine and feminine is, is also a thing that was given to us by white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Let's just be real. Um, one of the things a person said was the, one of the first violences that they taught us in colonization is gendering things. It's gendering people, right? Um, and it's to make 
classes of people to make some people above others and some people below than others. That's why you have, you know, men, like for the longest time, if a woman was in a abusive situation with a man, she cannot divorce him. Mm-hmm. It was, it's seen as a thing in the Catholic church, mm-hmm. right? And even in, in a lot of other religions. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I think we have to challenge those things. I think that, I think that pe- men have to see their liberation tied up in, in women's liberation and in trans women's liberation and in gender non-conforming people's liberation in order for them to get free. Because when, once that's why a lot of brown people are starting to say Black Lives Matter now mm-hmm. because they recognize that once we got to work from the bottom up, we can't work from the top. We can't say white. We can't say white lives matter or all lives matter. Mm-hmm. Right? We have to say the the bottom the bottom is black folks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because anti-blackness is global. Exactly, it's global. global. Yes. So you go, you you know. Um, the darker you are, the harder it is. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking more like an indigenous African or an mm-hmm. indigenous person, mm-hmm. it's going to be harder for you. Mm-hmm. So we have to work from the bottom to start out. Same thing with gender, mm-hmm. same thing with uh, ability, same mm-hmm. thing with class, same thing with other things. We have to mm-hmm. work out, uh, see who's the most, um, see who's the most marginalized of us mm-hmm. and work our way up and see our liberation tied up in their liberation. Because if they don't get free, we don't get free. That's very well said. Um, this is Theo Henderson from Weedian House. And I want you to understand that no matter what boat you came in under, we're all under the same boat. And we're all in the same boat now because, because of the fact of what the fact of the uh, the fact of the matter is white supremacy leaves a, a stench on every, everything, no matter how we can uh, phrase it. But I, I think I, you was going to say something else. No, I just I just. Like I said, Black Lives Matter and yeah. brown people need to rise up. And um, I think in saying that we are in the same boat, it does kind of erase the fact that black people are the ones that are dying, mm-hmm. that indigenous people are the ones that are dying. Mm-hmm. So yes, why white supremacy and capitalism affects us all, especially right now, mm-hmm. and we are all like seeking the government assistance and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Who's not getting the government assistance? Mm-hmm. Who's not getting these help? What's going on with, like, indigenous communities that are suffering? What's going on with black people that are dying? Literally, black people are dying. Trans women that are doing sex work are still doing sex work. Mm -hmm. Black cis women who are doing sex work are still doing sex work to survive. While people who work normal jobs, and I hate to say normal, Mm -hmm. but I'm just for normies. Um, I know this is the, yeah, but I I just want to acknowledge that, yes, while we're all kind of struggling there are different struggles that affect us in different ways and there are people that are more like i said that i hate the term more but that's all we have that are are more more marginalized black and brown people are getting like look at the statistics right now Mm -hmm. and if you want to look up my music my band's name is you guys suck (laughs) like real hard shut the up thanks uh, okay. um, also I'll just leave the link on the yes please please do um, we have a band camp we have music out mm-hmm. so yeah thank you Chella again it is my hope that we meet in a lighter understanding and thank you all for listening
Anderson from Weeding and House. I hope you enjoy this episode. This episode touched on the issues that are pertinent and germane to our humanity, whether we are trans, unhoused, and any other in in between. We are human beings. Black Lives Matter is more than just the housed blacks that we're protesting for. We're protesting for whatever shape and whatever condition that we are in that we demand that police violence stop. Police violence is usually more prevalent within impoverished African-Americans, but it happens in all strata of economic circumstance for black people. But one thing I noticed, which we don't cover, is the unhoused community voices when we deal with uh, police violence. 26% increase of use of force has been used against the unhoused, according to the Los Angeles Times. They have spoken to police commanders who advocate for this, stating that the more interactions police have with unhoused people, the chances of use of force increases. So consider that, if you will, when you join the neighborhood council bids and the other activist kind of things against unhoused people. People can see Black Lives Matter for someone as a family guy that has a house or a job or it seems like that they're angelic or beyond reproach. But they lose their compassion and their concern if they see an unhoused person. They usually meet them as with the terms of criminality. Uh, they're mentally ill or they're drug addicts or something that's sinister or a child or a predator or whatever to justify their own biases and hatreds against unhoused people. They will use the terms that they're concerned, they are concerned about quality of life, but the long and short of it is they disdain poor people. They believe it's poor person's fault that they don't have a job or they can't get out of the situation or they like being there. And if you follow into that kind of thinking, it is well worth time for you to re-examine those prejudices. I just recently saw a Ava DuVernay's movie on Netflix of 13th, and it extrapolates on, on these very points most eloquently. I, I, from my own personal experience, can tell you that these things are a daily occurrence. I become uncomfortable when I see police officers drive by. A couple of nights ago, sitting at the bus stop, enjoying my uh, frozen yogurt, a police officer drove by intentionally to antagonize me by flashing his lights in my face as to symbolize that we see you and we are watching you. This microaggression is a part of, part and parcel of the unhoused experience and the unhoused black experience. All it takes is a NIMBY or a Karen to call and have me taken care of or removed or even shot dead or even my worst nightmare, have someone's knee on my neck. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy and House. I thank you all for listening. And I truly hope that we meet in the light of understanding.
open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.